Welcome into the Oxen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prame, Eric Scopel on the show as always. And we've got some news to break down within the Pac-12 conference. It involves the Oregon Ducks, but it involves all the other schools in the conference. And it's quite national news. Pac-12 commissioner Larry Scott and the Pac-12 conference have agreed to mutually part ways uh, effective I think June 30th and Eric, this is kind of one of those things when it hit the wire Wednesday night, I got an email from the PAC 12 at 7 PM. Um, the Lee, you know, it, it was big news. Like it was kind of like, Oh wow. Like we thought he was going to be fired. Uh, it's they, they call it mutual decision. Um, we know what that but, means. <laughs> let's be real. He was, you know, the, the, the league has said, if we were going in a different direction, you need to go somewhere else. Um, but nonetheless, it's kind of a surprise because his contract ran through June 2022, not June 30th, 2021. And they're, they're moving a year in advance, which is, I, I think, for the first time, like, wow, they're being proactive. I think it tells you. And let's just start out by saying this. I Neither of us are big Larry Scott supporters. I wouldn't even say you can remove the big. Neither of us are supporters of what Larry Scott has done to the conference. I think he's done more damage to the league than probably almost any individual has since I've been covering or following this closely. You know, And uh, I think this is a good day, a win for the Pac-12. And I think you, you, you bring up a good point there. He could have continued this, in this job, in theory, for another – year or so and I think the league finally decided it was in such a dire spot I think it kind of speaks to unfortunately what the reality is right now where the Pac-12 just is falling behind and there needs to be a change in leadership and I'm really encouraged and excited by this I'm obviously kind of cautiously optimistic because now the next step is who do they bring in to replace him and that's something I think we can maybe throw some names at or discuss a little bit later but it, it, it feels almost overdone, overdue, I should say, in terms of like, gosh, I mean, he, he the Pac-12, when he inherited it, they weren't the top conference, but they weren't that far off of, you know, the SEC, the ACC, you know, and the Big Ten. And now look at where things are at. And they're, you know, and I, I, I had the analysis and they were talking, this is more football than just overall, but prior to the bowl season of like, I don't think the Pac-12 and the Big 12 are that far apart. And I don't agree with that now. I think it's pretty clear the Big 12 has surpassed the Pac-12. And the Pac-12 is almost to a point where there's basically four power, power, you know, power football conferences. And then the Pac-12 kind of in no man's land. And, you know, there's probably some out there that could argue that some of the other group of five conferences are catching up or I don't want to say on par, but not that far off. So whoever takes over this position has – is not inheriting an easy situation. Um, the TV deal was a disaster that I think, you know, we, that's something that needs to be, that's something that has to be like a day one couple of things that they, they work through, you know, I mean, that's, that's to me the most dire thing, you know, you, you don't want to go too political, but just the fact of like, we just were dealing with yesterday or Wednesday inauguration, the things that they're all talking about is that like we got to get COVID under control. And obviously I don't want to compare COVID to a TV deal because that's unfair, but like, for whoever's job this is, that is their that is their kind of COVID. That is their kind of thing that needs to be dealt with because there's no exposure right now for the Pac-12. It's it's ridiculous to me that I can flip on the TV um, without a Comcast cable box and watch SCC TV 
watch Big Ten TV, but can't watch the Pac-12 TV. And I live in Eugene, Oregon, one of the <laughs> primary markets. I mean, it's absurd, right? I mean, it makes no sense. And so if I can't even watch the conference, what's, what's the point? Like, what are we doing here? It makes no sense. I mean, like, it's, it's, it, that part has been the most frustrating thing is it's, it's hard to watch the conference's games. I think the product is fine, like on the improve the Pac-12 network. But they're also like just lacking overall the, the major visibility. And that's just because I thought he did such a terrible job. So I've kind of rambled here because I know one of the things Matt and I talked to right, right before this was we want to talk about what needed to, to be improved. And I think to me, that's the one that just stares you right in the face of like, it's really absurd where, and it's not just me, where you go on duckterritory.com and people who've, I mean, the, the, you know, it's, it's not, I'm, football's obviously the big ticket item, but like women's basketball, for example, I'll use this as, just as an example of like, there are people who hadn't been able to watch a single Pac-12 network women's basketball game yep. all season until they played Arizona on ESPN a couple uh, last week. And a couple of them were like, this is my first time watching. And I'm going, that's ridiculous that these diehard women's basketball fans can't watch the team because of a channel that nobody has in their market. So, I mean, that's to me is where you start. And um, it's that, that was just a disaster from day one. And it felt like, Throughout it, it was kind of like they were. He, he thought he was playing like yeah, he like they were playing poker, and he thought his whole cards were a lot better than they were. He was and, talking extension like, yeah, two months yeah, ago. You were <laughs> something has changed, right? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, good. Like I look at the I, Larry Scott did. I don't want to defend him too much, but he did do some good work for the league. Um, I mean, he did bring in the idea of the Pac-12 network as its entirety, and yeah. That needs to be acknowledged. Like, look, the 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 reach it has and the marketability the league has is not good. But he did create a network. It's just didn't he didn't execute the network after it was created in the best possible manner. Uh, that was launched. It was announced July twenty seventh, two thousand and eleven. I think August fifteenth is when it started. Um, he also agreed to some twelve year deals with Fox Sports and ESPN that began in two thousand twelve. Um, those have somewhat helped, but he also didn't protect the league with, you know, that's when all the night games started and, and continually seeing games being played later and later and later into the night while other leagues were getting earlier daytime start times. Um, ultimately probably what did him in though, is the fact that direct TV and the Pac-12 network could not come to some agreement to land a, a, a contract together to, to stream and to broadcast the Pac-12 network. And then the inability to adapt after that. I, I think there's a couple streaming platforms that include the Pac-12 network. The fact that Oregon, you know, the fact that the Pac-12 isn't on YouTube TV, which is like, I think the biggest streaming platform right now. Yep. Uh, the fact that you can get it on Sling, but you can't, um, get it on, I think, FUBU. Uh, there, there's so many options out there that, that you can stream and, and get cable TV now, and it's difficult to to still find the network is, is disappointing. But I, I think you look at this league, and it's not just the TV deal. It's it's the administrative facts. It's, it's the fact that there's a general counsel, um, a lawyer involved in the conference and executives who could call into – uh, the control room of officiating and overrule calls during the middle of games. I mean, that, that happened a couple of years ago with Washington state and USC where uh, an executive and a lawyer who had no business being involved in officiating 
decisions calls into the command room and overrules uh, a call. And that happens under his leadership. The fact that Merton Hanks, the uh, one of the, the executives right now in charge of running Pac-12 football and the officiating, like he has like four games of experience at the Mac level in the 90s. Like the fact that that guy is running things is is concerning. And ultimately, this is where the league needs to get better. It, it needs to get better, not at the TV deal, because that that that's that's important that needs to get done but just the pure operation of mm. how the conference is being run that is where in my eyes things need to get better i mean i think what ultimately did larry scott in was he ran the conference as a network without having any experience of being involved in the networks and goes out and goes plush for everything for all the top executives while, you know, stepping all over the, the guys in the trenches and the women in the trenches that are doing all the labor and all the work to, to get them those deals. And it, 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 the house just caved in on them and the conference has imploded into what it is now where I'm with you. Like the, the PAC 12 is better than the group of five, but there's also a gap now between the, the PAC 12 conference and the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12 and the Big 10. And that's unacceptable with how things were set up, you know, 12, 15 years ago. And I think another thing here is I, I also just in terms of the, I think you're spot on in terms of the day-to-day operation stuff was a disaster. Um, I just think back to how much of a mess it was during the COVID season, right? I mean, I think that was one of the things we talked about was yeah. how this was going to be a real test of leadership. And I thought Larry Scott did not pass those tests. I mean, you think about how much confusion there was down to the, the last couple of days of the conference, you know, to the conference season of, of the Oregon Washington situation where there was no, and obviously things ended up working out as best they could, but where Oregon and Washington, Washington has, there was no pressure to the fire for them or there no feet to the fire for them to make a determination from the PAC 12 on whether they could, play or not and so we had a couple extra days there where Oregon was kind of preparing for one school and had to switch gears that shouldn't happen um we had Colorado who finished second in their division mind you never played USC not play that weekend because they were so disorganized because of that fault I mean Colorado I mean Oregon fans had a little bit of a gripe because Oregon didn't have as much time to prepare obviously ultimately it didn't matter as much but Colorado's the one where I go like you guys lost what, one conference game and you didn't get a chance to even play that final weekend. And your part, you know, your parting memory from a season that was really special was getting just annihilated by Texas. And they didn't really even have a chance to play USC either. I mean, I just, there was so much mismanagement of the COVID stuff. And I think we, we, we are probably more in support of, the way they handled things up front in terms of postponing things, pushing things back from a player safety perspective than most are. But I'm sure there are other people who would say, gosh, that really did them no service. That did not help things big picture. And I, I don't want to change my stance because I still think it was the right move, but I think you can look back in retrospect and say it didn't do them any favors in terms of trying to get them into the college football playoff picture. I mean, there were the, I mean, this was, this was the harsh reality was USC doesn't lose a single game until, they lose to Oregon and they're nowhere near 
they're undefeated and they're nowhere near the top four in the college football playoff. They're like, what, 11th, 12th, something like mm-hmm. that when they play Oregon? Yeah. I mean, and that's just to me, you know, and, and there's other, there's tons of factors swirling around here. It was a weird year. So you don't want to build everything based upon the COVID season because it's so wonky to begin with. But I just look at that and think that to me said a lot about the national perception of the Pac 12. And I, I think that also had to have been sort of things got to a boiling point there of if you are, especially one of these elite programs, the USC's, the Washington's, the Oregon's of the, you know, the Stanford's of the conference, these kind of these big, these kind of flagship programs of even when we're having successful seasons, even when things are going right, if we're not in the discussion, something is amiss here, something is wrong. And the fact that the league had gotten to that point, I think that was to me a thing where I just went, I know Ohio state's different, but Ohio state played as many games as USC to that point in the season. And yet Ohio state, plays for a national championship in Ohio and USC is not even in the discussion, right? That to me says kind of how far things had slipped. And I think some of that has to do with management from the conference. And I, I think that, I think just the la- just the fact that the Pac-12 is just not in the discussion for these things anymore. If you're a leader, a president or an athletic director at one of these schools, and obviously the goal is to win a championship, gosh, to not even get it done. I mean, they, I, I mean, this is a stat I saw earlier. I think it was Dennis Dobbs of a, uh, or Dennis Dodd, sorry, of, of CBS Sports was the Pac-12 didn't win a single football or college basketball championship under his stead. And I think he's the only one since some SEC commissioner back in the 80s to do that, where you just don't win. So, I mean, I mean, it, these are the kind of things that you have to discuss with his quote-unquote legacy of like, it was just a, it was bungled. It didn't go well. And I, and I'm, I think the Pac-12 puts itself in a better position today having moved on from him, but the next step is who do they bring in to replace him? Cause that's a, this is a crucial hire for the conference. If they mess this one up, they fall like, back even further and it may not exactly. be able to, to catch back up. Exactly. Yep. So what are the things you feel like watching this conference? What, what, what are the things the league needs to greatly improve upon? I, I think first and foremost, they need to, there is a, a, a value in, in, in each conference and the sec right now is king they make boatloads of cash every single year and that's why those schools can buy out co- coaches if they don't like them early on in their contracts and pay for it it's why they can go out and pay astronomically high salaries uh to assistant coaches and poach them away or keep them by hiring you know or by by offering even more money so i, I think for me and this isn't you know you just obviously can't just generate more money. Um, but the league needs to figure out a way to make themselves more valuable so that they can generate those rich contracts that every other conference is getting besides the, the PAC 12. And so how, how do you go about and do that? They need to improve the brand. They need to improve of, of PAC 12 athletics. They also need to improve the success and it's kind of like a chicken or the egg type deal. Like you yeah, need you, you need the money, but you can't get the money unless you win and you can't win unless you get the money. And so it's going to really take some, you know, some really finagling here of, of paying Peter with Paul's money and, and getting this done for that. And then, then being able to do this because both of those issues are really, really high up and you can't get one done really without getting the other done. And ultimately, I, I think the league needs to, if they're going to start somewhere, the league needs to get its visibility and its markability 
from a national scale uh, up, a, up multiple notches because they can't have like in football. Okay. There's six games going on that week. Let's say they can't have four of those games starting at seven, seven thirty, and eight, eight o'clock P, uh, PM Pacific time. Like that's a joke. You can't have that. You need to strategically make sure and strong arm your TV partners into agreeing of, okay, we're going to play at least half your games before 5 p.m., 6 p.m. Pacific time. Yeah, I, I think that's crucial, Matt. I think the TV thing, I mean, I, I know I brought that up before, and I think you're right in terms of the operation stuff, but I think that's big, right? I mean, because you see the TV split. You, and, and I think you bring up a really good point here in terms of the quandary or the Pac-12 is in right now of the way the schools have the money to pay these coaches a lot of money to get the best coaches in place, which is ultimately, I think, in college sports, that's key. You know, if you have the best coaches, you're you're going to have a lot of success. And Pac-12 is at a place now where we just saw Colorado's coach get poached after a year. I mean, obviously, Mario Cristobal stuck around at Oregon. That's not a fit example. But Auburn was going to be able to pay comparable numbers. And Auburn's maybe the fifth or sixth best program in the SEC. Oregon's obviously one of the top dogs. And and this is the, that's the tough spot you find yourself in because these TV deals that the SEC and the ACC and the Big Ten are signing completely outweigh what the Pac-12 is being able to do right now. And that impacts the bottom lines of these schools. And that's where things get difficult. I think you want somebody who's in this position who is Larry Scott positioned himself to be kind of this like genius marketer, right? Of like he was going to find all these creative solutions. I think you want somebody who can actually accomplish that, but you also want somebody who's got a much better grasp of budgeting things um, and hiring the right people. I think you brought up a great point earlier in terms of some of just the, it wasn't, this is what happens when you have bad leadership at the very top is typically you surround yourself with people who probably aren't the best people either um, for whatever reason. And I think whoever that's got to be one of the first steps is, is just completely restructuring some of the conference's leadership. Um, whoever takes this position on that's something that needs to be done is, is just figuring out like, okay, the Pac-12 is nationally a laughing stock in X, Y, and Z. And I give you, there maybe there are more letters to the alphabet you want to use there. I mean, they've fallen behind. You need to find the solutions. And I think that, again, that starts with personnel decisions, right? And that starts with just having the right people in position. And I don't think that was the case under Larry Scott really at all. To me, the TV deal still becomes like at the top of the list. And you want somebody who can negotiate the best possible deal to get the money in the pockets for the school so they can go out and be the most, compet- <clears throat> most competitive they can be. Because that's really, I think, where, where the Pac-12 lost its footing here. And you look at the way the conference has fallen behind. And I know we're, we're talking a lot of football here and there are other sports that, that matter, but football really is the one that pays the pays bills. All the bills. I mean, that's just the reality of what it is. They pay, I don't know what the number was, but it's like three quarters or more of, of the school's, you know, in, you know, income comes from football. And you look at the, just the, the fact that the PAC 12 from a, coaching perspective and i don't want to diminish the coaches at the conference because i think there's some really good ones but there aren't the blue blood nick sabins and urban myers and you know i know there's obviously a you know uh, a rotation of coaches throughout the country that are up and comers that are changing things you know nobody would have thought Dabo sweeney would have been what he became really when he was hired but what you've seen i think at the pac-12 which is a little startling is these guys, when they do start to have success, they get poached right away. And you've yeah. got to be able to retain these coaches. Like, I, I just think, like, 
how much better would Washington State be long term with Mike Leach there? How much better is he for the conference? I think I, I, I don't know exactly what the upward trajectory was at Colorado, but losing your coach after one year, one year. that's not going to do it to a job that kind of on paper at least looked. I mean, I guess Mel Tucker can make this decision for us, but like clearly he thought he didn't think it was, you know, an even job and he thought he was taking a step up, but like on paper, that shouldn't be a thing that happens that frequently. And it's just, that's the stuff that concerns me is, is you need the stability. I think Oregon really dodged a bullet for the conference because if they would have lost Mario Cristobal after three seasons and he's one of the premier coaches in the conference and the biggest program in the conference, if they would have not been able to retain him to, like I said, like a middle, middle of the pack SEC team, that would have put the Ducks back a long ways because they would have had to figure out things on the fly and that would have lost all that traction. And that would be, you know, you'd have three head coaches in about half a decade. But it really, really would have put the conference in a bad spot because the optics of that are terrible, of losing, one of, of losing your big boy school's coach to a middle pack coach in another league, that would have been terrible. And so I'm thankful from, for a variety of reasons why Cristobal is still the head coach at Oregon. But from a Pac-12-centric perspective, those are the kind of things you can't allow to become trends of. It's almost like, and this is probably not totally fair, but it's almost like it's the minor leagues to the major leagues where the Pac-12 is the farm system from a coaching perspective to the bigger conferences. And that's a trend that can't happen. Do you think... When I look at this, like, does the conference need to – so the, the TV deals are going to be up here in a couple years. Yeah. Do you think it's best if the conference continues as is of like, hey, ESPN, Fox, we want to split our best games with you. And, you know, the Pac-12 championship game for football, like that's going to rotate – the Pac-12 men's basketball championship game, that's going to, in the tournament, uh, that's going to rotate between FS1 and ESPN. Or would you rather see the league try and saddle up with one network and be like, hey, we want to give you all our, like a huge chunk of, of our premier games. The other ones will, will, will maybe have one game a week on ESPN or Fox and it'll rotate each week. And then maybe we'll have one or two games on the Pac-12 network. But our marquee stuff, we want you to have. Like, CBS just lost the SEC. Yeah, I was just thinking The ESPN. Should the conference go to CBS and say, we want to pair up. And we want your best team calling our best game every single week at the 3 p.m. Pacific time slot. Should they go to NBC and, and say, hey, we want all our, our premier games to be with you or Fox or ESPN. Like do you think it's beneficial for one network or multiple? I think it's a really good point, Matt. Cause I, I know as a, as a viewer of college football for a while, when I thought of college football on CBS, what did I think of? I thought of the marquee sec game. I thought of Alabama and Georgia or Tennessee and LSU or whatever the game was. The marquee game was always on that network and it was always, what three o'clock four o'clock our time yeah. and and you just kind of knew hey i'm gonna flip over and I, I you know you don't even have to look at the schedule or the listing you just go hey i'm gonna flip over to 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 cbs right now i'm gonna watch the best team in the in the to the bet the, whatever the best game this week in the in the sec i'm gonna watch it and it was the same thing with notre dame on nbc you know that same thing of like hey 
who's Notre Dame playing? Oh, I don't even have to look it up. I'll just flip it over. And I think that means a lot from a marketability perspective of for the conference to be like, to become synonymous with that network, you know, and, you know, and it's, and it's on a different level. It's the same thing with, you look at the NFL and you're like, okay, the Fox games are the NFC games. The CBS games are primarily the AFC games. It's just kind of this understanding of like, Hey, where do I find this conference or these sort of teams that are going to be on these networks? The Pac-12 has lost that identity because it's just, they're, they're all over the place, you know? And I guess primarily they're on ABC or Fox or ESPN for their big games. But like it was, it was very infrequently, was it a, I'm going to flip over to ABC and it's definitely, it's, it's, you, don't, you don't flip over to ABC on a Sunday evening and go like, it's 100% a Pac-12 game. It can be a variety of different leagues there. And I, I think that would be great. Another thing that I would, just because I think you do have to be creative here, and we talked about how the Pac-12 network failed, I wouldn't hate if the Pac-12 kind of got into bed with one of these streaming yeah. services, like a Amazon Prime or a Hulu, or I don't know, like, I don't know if Disney Plus is going to do this type of stuff and try to jump into sports at some point. I figure like that's the one with, with all the Star Wars and the Marvel stuff that could be the biggest one long term of like, hey, let's have a game that's going to be streamed there. I mean, I don't know the stats in terms of streaming and you obviously don't want to minim- you don't want to lose your audience, but I can speak for myself and my friends. Like most of us have streaming services rather than the Comcast cable boxes at this point. And most of us have the Hulus, the Amazon Primes, the Netflixes. I don't have Disney Plus anymore, but I'll re-up on that when I want to watch more of the Star Wars stuff. But like, I, I, I just think that's a creative solution too that I would like to see the Pac-12 do. I don't think you put your marquee game there. I think you want to have your marquee game on one of the major networks. But like, if it can be a thing of like, if you're sitting there on a on a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock or you know two o'clock or something like that, and going like, oh, I want to watch some college football. I don't have cable, and you go, well doesn't the Pac-12 have a game that's always on Amazon Prime at this time? Oh, I'll flip it over there. And hey, look, there's some visibility. All the people without the Comcast boxes or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever your basic cable services, you don't have that. If you find a way to do that without having to pay for the cable box, I think that could be a, a kind of an avenue to look into as well with just giving a game here, a game there to those to those sort of services. Because I think ultimately we're heading in the direction where and I also, I say this also being aware that I think what Larry Scott's intention was, was to be very forward thinking and it flopped. But like, this is a way to be like, I, I, I think we're like, what, maybe, maybe you disagree, but I think we're like half a decade away from like most people just primarily streaming stuff on these different little streaming networks. And it's going to be eventually sort of similar to cable without the cable where you have your own little different channels that you're watching. I mean, it's kind of already there for some of us of like, hey, I want to see what's on Netflix. And it's not live TV primarily. It's just stuff that's already there. But like some incorporation of that is, I think, kind of where the future of television is headed. And now you can stream it all on your TV with a Roku box or a, um, an Apple TV and all those kind of things. Like, I think that's an avenue to maybe take a look at. I know there's been some experimentation with, I think Amazon Prime has had a couple of NFL games and some basketball games and some baseball games. I think the Pac-12 needs to look at all these kind of different avenues to go down but i do agree with that with your point basic point of like regardless of what the streaming stuff is like having the pac-12 synonymous with one of these major networks one of these networks that everybody just kind of has is is crucial because if you can go hey i'm going to cl- flip it over to 703 or 708 or 711 whatever these channel numbers are on comcast and just know hey it's that time of the day oregon or somebody in the pac-12 is playing there 
that really helps the visibility and it helps it outside of the Pac-12 footprint, which is the issue right now is that people have to look and like pay extra money to watch the Pac-12. You can't, it's not a winning formula when your teams yeah. aren't that good. Yeah, you, know? you, you you can't sit here and be like, hey, you need to go jumping through hoops and bounds to get our network yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, no. because we're that much, you know, we're that in demand. It's the demand isn't there. You it's almost like you need to go cheap early on to just mass uh you know, market yourself out to the masses and ensure that you're getting seen. And then after years of growth and improvement, you know, people will start gravitating towards you know, when, when you put up, you know, a pay, you know, when you, when you select one service or what have you, um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, I think, play out. And I think ultimately, I kind of jokingly said this on Twitter, uh, Wednesday night when it, the news came out, but ultimately like whoever they hire and there's been a lot of names, uh, Greg Byrne, the AD at Alabama, he's popped up Oliver luck. Uh, he most recently was, I think the commissioner for uh, one of the startup football leagues this off season. Um, he's also Andrew Luck's dad. He's also uh, a former West Virginia athletic director, I believe. Um, We've also seen David Shaw's name be thrown out there, an executive at Fox be thrown out there. Um, there's a couple names uh, internally at the conference. I think Rob Mullins, Oregon's AD, should be one. Agreed. Um, uh, we've, we've seen Ray Anderson, ASU's athletic director, um, be thrown out there. Uh, the WCC's ath- uh, commissioner, he, you know, that's another person that's been thrown out there. But whoever gets hired um, – I, I said this jokingly, but ultimately it needs to be someone who is willing to trust his lieutenants or her lieutenants and trust the people that you hire that, that are in charge and let them do their jobs. And most importantly, when you make those hires, they need to be qualified candidates. They can't be some friend of a friend or they can't be, you can't have some kind of connection where you're, you're bringing a good old boy in to, 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 to get him a payday before he, he goes off to something else. You have to get qualified candidates and people that are committed and have the passion for the job that they're doing and then trust them to do their jobs. If you do that, the conference is going to make up a lot of ground. I mean, think about the markets that are in the PAC 12 conference right now. Uh, there's the Los Angeles market, which is one of the biggest markets in, in the world. Um, you, you look at the top 100 and it's, it's in the top, what, real quick. It's number two. Los Angeles is the number two market in the country. So that's one that's in your footprint. You have San Francisco, which is six. So you have two top six markets within your conference. Uh, it, and then Phoenix is 11. That's huge that market is growing every single every single year it goes up uh the seattle tacoma market is 12 so you have four of the top 12 tv markets in your pac 12 footprint the denver market is 16 so you've almost you've got five in the top 16 you've got sacramento which is real close to the bay area that's a top 20 market you know you're, you're now at five oregon is portland oregon's the 21st biggest market in, in, in the country. And, you know, that's your sixth one in the top 21. So you've got eyeballs. Yes, you do. <laughs> like, like, it's, like, I make this joke all the time about how ASU and Arizona are sleeping giants and they just never can get woken up from a football standpoint. 
the, the Pac-12 feels like a sleeping giant. There are a ton of people on the West Coast that are going to watch these games. You just got to get them access and then the reason to watch. And I think ultimately that's going to be the, the biggest challenge is getting your footprint back 100% bought in to, to watching your teams play. Uh, let's just end it here. But like that, that's been the most frustrating part of this, Matt, is I go, how – how is like Fayetteville, Arkansas and Baton Rouge, Louisiana? I mean, I don't want to diminish these markets because I know these are like these are big areas as well. But like how 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 is the SEC with those markets? I know it's different because in those areas, football is life. only thing you focus on. You know, you talk to people who live down there. You talk to people. Hey, I did an Iowa State podcast, you know, and, and, and talking with some people from Iowa State. And it's like this is the only thing they've got there. Right. And what else does the state of Iowa really have professionally? There's not really anything there. Whereas, you know, you talk about those markets you just ran through, almost all of those have at least two of the major football, basketball, baseball, like they all, they have, they have these major sports. So there is some competing interests, but like, I, that's the thing that's very frustrating. I think is it seems ridiculous that the PAC 12 footprint has these huge, huge markets from a TV perspective. And yet it falls so far behind these much smaller markets in smaller communities around the country. It's kind of ridiculous. And I, and maybe that's a step that we haven't um, acknowledged is, is just building up some sort of the rabidness of these fan bases. Yep. And, and like, you know, I, cause I think that's lacking, you know, that's not to say that I, I think some of these schools don't, I mean, I think Oregon has a great fan base. You think you look around the conference, there are a couple others that are really strong and, and impressive, but like, for the most part, like I think they're probably not on the incline and more on the decline in terms of the interest at these schools. And that to me is something that you can fix, but it's something that you have to have the right person in charge of to get it done. And if you do get that done, like I think the PAC 12 can be really successful. I really do. I I think sleeping giants, the right term, but I also think this hire is really crucial and it's going to be really interesting to see um, what happens here over the next months or so and, and see who the replacement is and see what that vision is. I mean, that's going to be one of the big stories I think this summer of the off season, aside from obviously what's going on specifically at Oregon, but for the conference is what's the direction big picture, because they need to have some sort of direction. Cause right now things are not headed in the right direction. Just to give some information as we wrap up the show, John Wilner of the Mercury news, who I, I don't think there's anyone out there that's better than him covering the PAC 12 as a whole. Um, he has reported that the presence at Washington, Washington State, and Oregon will be headlining the search for the new commissioner. And President Schill gave one, you know, one comment that really stood out to John Wilner was that, like Eric and I have said, he believes this is a plum job. This is going to be a, a sought-after job for a lot of candidates. So we'll be certainly tracking this as it plays out. We'll be seeing it in the next couple of months and see where it goes. And, you know, I'm sure we'll have more podcasts about this and as news trickles out. Uh, but in the PAC 12 as a footprint, it seems like things are changing and we'll hopefully see things changing for the better. So for Eric Scopel, I'm Matt Prem. Uh, thank you for listening to this latest edition of the Odds and Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks.